Thank you, thank you, thank you. I was uh, reflecting this morning um, as I was driving it from the peninsula where my wife, my wife Patty and I live. I was like, how many times, how many, how many years? And, I, and we both teach in the children's ministry. And so the way I sort of gauge it is like if, if your kids are in college and they, we, we taught them. We've been around that long when, in the children's ministry, you know. And, and now we've got some that are graduated from college. Like, whoa, wow, we've been doing this a long time. Um, it's always fun to, to speak. I, um, I get asked to speak at corporate things, and I, if I do a few of them a year. I, I do less and less um, because the most exciting day is the day that I commit to speak. Every day that it gets closer and closer, the more I don't look forward to it, right? <laughs> Except for church. Like Pastor Terry will text me and go, are you available on this weekend or that weekend? And we go back and forth and back and forth. And then I go, yeah, I'll do it. And then it just gets better and better and better. Because I get more excited about spending our time together here. Because not only do you maybe get something from this moment, I get a lot from it. I get a lot from it. There's that old um, adage that says, uh, he or she who teaches learns twice. Which is part of why I love being in the children's ministry. Because I get to teach children in a very childlike way, which is we all should be very childlike in our faith. But, you know, I get to learn again. And so um, this morning has been a blessing for me already. Um, thank you for being here on this ordinary Sunday. Yeah, just an ordinary Sunday. I mean, it might turn out to be an extraordinary Sunday. It might turn out to be that this is the beginning of an extraordinary week. But the chances are that today is the beginning of an ordinary week for most of us. Tomorrow will be kind of ordinary, Tuesday will be ordinary, we'll go through. And the reason that I say that is because there's nothing wrong with ordinary. Right? I mean, look at the definition of ordinary. I'm going to have to put it, up there, put it up there. See, it says, with no special or distinctive features, normal. Normal. What is commonplace or standard. So there's nothing wrong with ordinary, except that what we try to do is make everything extraordinary, right? Our culture, our society celebrates, lifts up, says to everybody, we want extraordinary, correct? Right? I mean, everybody tries to get into the game. Everybody thinks they have to be extraordinary. And our media and everything around us just keeps trying to push something, you know, even silly stuff. I'm going to put a picture up here. I don't know. Anybody know who that is? Yeah, that's Punxsutawney Phil. Now, if you're not from the Midwest, you have no clue probably. But you saw Groundhog Day, right? right we've seen that movie over and over and over. We saw that movie. That's a joke. Um, so... You know, he had a little bit of a resurgence last week in the Super Bowl, him and Bill Murray, uh, Punxsutawney Phil. So years ago, Patty and I were driving uh, across the country, and uh, my wife, and um, we stopped in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. I mean, how could you not? And so right there in the town square, you look over to the side, and there's a little glass cage, and Phil is in there every day, 24 hours a day. The light on, shine on. Now they say Phil is 180 years old. He's not. <laughs> he's not. Don't go wow. I mean, uh, he's, he's supposed to be some mythical, magical, you know. I mean, he's a groundhog, right? He probably, I don't know how long groundhogs live, but they don't live 180 years, right? Um, but he comes out 
every February, and he came out, and he makes news. They try to take an, an ordinary groundhog and turn him into something extraordinary. He did say he's a short winner, by the way. So that made news. Okay, so yes, we love out of the ordinary in our culture. And here's what got me thinking about this ordinariness of life and what can happen right smack in the middle of living in the ordinary. If you come from any um, liturgical church background, particularly Catholicism, they have a time of the year. Anybody come from Catholic church? Okay. It's called ordinary time. Ordinary time. It's the time between the end of Christmas, the Epiphany, which I think is January 16th, to Lent. It's called ordinary time. And those Sundays are ordinary Sundays. It's the transition time between two special seasons. And it got me thinking about, yes, just over a month ago, plus, we had Christmas, the most extraordinary, most special time, the time that we celebrate the most extraordinary birth in our history, a very unique time when the shepherds came to see the birth of Jesus, that the star came into the sky, that the wise men followed from the east to come and find Jesus. And where did they find him? They found him in a pretty ordinary place, in an ordinary stable at the back of an ordinary inn, laying in an ordinary manger. There was nothing ordinary about the birth of Jesus except that it was extraordinarily ordinary, right? Jesus entered the earth just like any other little baby, not at some amazing place, not at some fan fancy facility, but right there in an ordinary stable. But that's not what got me thinking about ordinary times. What got me thinking about ordinary times, and I want, I'm going to ask you to imagine this, and it's really hard to imagine. But I want you to imagine what it must have been like after the shepherds left, after the wise men left, after all of the celebration was done, and it's Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And they had to go back to an ordinary life. Right? They, they heard from God that, you know what, you need to make sure that Jesus is safe. So they, they had to leave their home, leave their country, to go and find a place that he could be secure. And then they had to make sure that Jesus could be fed, that Jesus could be clothed, that Jesus would have a secure place to be. And Mary and Joseph, they had to provide. Right? Likely Joseph had to, hey, he had to work. Mary might have worked too, we don't know. And that work had to be reliable, and they had to be predictable, and they had to be good at what they did in order to be able to get the money to be able to pay for those things. Does that sound familiar? Right? All at the time of raising a baby, a new baby. Now, it is quite possible that Jesus was an extraordinary baby. We don't know. Right? He might have been the kind of baby that slept through the night. He might have been the kind of baby that never needed toys to play with. He's the kind of baby, might have been the baby that never needed extra attention, that never cried and said, ah! He might have been the baby that never needed to be changed. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't think so. I think he was ordinary. 
He had ordinary times. Mary and Joseph had ordinary times with Jesus. Jesus had to be raised in an ordinary way so that he could learn and be schooled. And we know that that's the case because when he was 12 years old, the next time he shows back up, he's going toe-to-toe, mind-to-mind with the best scholars, and they're amazed by him. Like how learned he was. Now, we don't know how he got taught, but we know that Mary and Joseph didn't shirk that responsibility. Couldn't have. Otherwise, he wouldn't have learned. But I'm pretty sure of this. He had to be extraordinarily curious. He had to be extraordinarily curious about, you know, how does that work? I mean, when you plant that in the ground, how long does it take it to grow, Dad? How do you build that? Who are those people, Mom? What do they do? Because by the time he did show up and he was ministering, he knew more about the ordinary life than any other person. What are the parables? Why are the parables so powerful? Because they speak into the ordinariness of life. Those things that the common person would understand. So we then know, we know that Jesus was fascinated by the ordinary and that he came from an ordinary place. Which brings me to my first point that I want us to just kind of chew on, if you will. You can write these down if you want, or you don't have to. That it could be that our ordinary time, our ordinary time is actually a time of preparation. Right? Could be that we're being prepared for something extraordinary, but we don't know what it is. But in our ordinary times, if we look at it that way, we could be getting readied for something. You know, if we look at our ordinary time as drudgery, or if somehow we feel resentful, that, or it's some type of, type of punishment or generational thing that I can't break out of, some kind of negative response. I never got to be who I really could have been. You know, I could have been a contender. <laughs> right? That we don't feel like we reached our full potential. That's not what God wants us to do. God doesn't want us to feel that way about our ordinary time. It might just well be, and I think it is, that our ordinary time is just getting us ready. He's just getting us ready. It's probably a good time to actually talk about time for a second because um, here's the thing. God didn't need to create time as a convention for himself. Right? What's What's a year? What's a day? What's a minute to God? But we need it. We need it to be able to look at it and set ourselves in context to be able to figure out how should we spend our time? How should we invest our time? You know, time is a gift, a gift from God. And we're all each given the same amount. I mean, we've all heard this before. We've all got the same amount of time, yada, yada. But, you know, the truth is, there is no distinction between the time we're given. There is no privilege of time or, 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 or not privileged of time. Now, how we have to spend it is a different story. You know, Needless to say, it would be great, it would be awesome if it all worked out that we could just spend our time any way we want, right? But we can't. Each of us carry our burdens. Each of us uh, carry our responsibilities. It causes us to spend time maybe doing the things that we don't want to do, maybe too much time doing something that we don't want to do. 
There's a word for that. What do you think it's called? Work, work, right? We may not want to spend as much time working. It would be awesome if we didn't have to, but we have to. Now, kind, now it's about how, to, how, to, how do we think about that? How do we think about that ordinary time, that ordinary work that we do? I mean, work is a topic on its, on its own self. I mean, we could, if you wanted to, I mean, I've got no place to go. I mean, we could stay here all afternoon and talk about work. That would be extraordinary. <laughs> you wouldn't be very extraordinarily happy about that. Um, but we are going to have something coming up soon for you. Um, on March 1st, you'll see it in your uh, handout, where we're going to do another tightrope talk series about that intersection between our faith and our work. I would encourage you to come to that. Because, you know, it'll, it'll talk more about how we can bring our faith, have a purpose for bringing glory to God in our work, in our ordinary time. And work is a good way to dovetail into my next thought. And I want you to look into your handout. And we're going to read the first couple of things that I've got here for us. So let's start with Mark 1:16 through 20. I'll just read it out loud. One day Jesus was walking along the shore. That would be ordinary. He was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Remember that? Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, a little farther up the shore, he got there through walking. Jesus said, and he saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. They were working. Anybody fish here? Anybody like to fish? Yeah? Fishing is kind of fun. Sort of. If you catch fish. I mean, otherwise, this would be some long days, some long hours. Let's read on to Matthew 9, 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Now, in our Expand series, Pastor Terry has been taking us through. He's talked to us about Matthew, right? Matthew was named Levi had two names, Matthew and Levi. He was a tax collector. He was sitting at his tax collecting booth. And along comes Jesus. You know, and I'm pretty sure back then there was no April 15th, right, kind of thing. I mean, I, I, kind, of, I kind of think about it this way. It was a little bit probably like that little stand um, in Charlie Brown that Lucy had, you know, that for a nickel she'd tell you. Something. I mean, so I got, a, I got this vision of Matthew sitting at a table or in a little stand collecting ta his taxes Every day. Every day. Today's kind of like yesterday. Today's kind of like what tomorrow's going to be. And the next day, pretty ordinary. Right smack in the middle of his ordinary tax collecting day, Jesus. Jesus finds him. And we know from the other verse, James and John, Simon, later to be named Peter and Andrew, just going about their work, fishing, and Jesus found them. Right? He found them. I think what God is trying to tell us in this is really something. It's the fact that he found his disciples within their ordinary work time. I mean, I guess he could have found them in other ordinary times. They had mornings. They had evenings. You know, they had other times that they did things. But, but they, he found them doing their work. 
which is what each of us has had to do. And they did their ordinary work and their ordinary life just like the rest of us. You know, there's something about historical figures, especially biblical figures, that it's hard to imagine or place them in the times that we don't know what they were doing, right? It's kind of like they just kind of fade away, and we don't really think about the rest of their 24 hours. It's kind of like that never really happened. But the truth of the matter is, it happened. They had times when they were energetic. They had times when they were tired. They had sleeping time. They had up emotions, down emotions. They were bored sometimes, like all the rest, all of us. They were hungry. But it's hard for us to think about those things. It's almost like uh, watching television, right? We all watch TV, and we see these characters on TV. We only see a little sliver of their life, the best moments, the extraordinary moments. I mean, on TV, we never see somebody sitting there scrolling Twitter for 30 minutes. We do it. We never see it on TV, right? We have those times. They're just ordinary times. And then, you know, on TV, it's always amazing to me. You know, apartments and houses are so well furnished. And they're always so clean. And we never see them cleaning them. You know, we never imagine, you know, nobody ever stops and says, oh, excuse me, I got to go clean this up. You know, we never see any of that stuff, right? My mother-in-law, who's been with us uh, for the last couple of months, she, we were watching This Is Us. And uh, we, it's a really good show for us all to watch together. And... Uh, and, and she goes, she's from New York, so you'll love this even more. She's from New York, from the Bronx. And she goes, do you ever notice how there's always a parking spot waiting right out in the front of the house? <laughs> she does that because, you know, where she lived in the Bronx, you know, sometimes you have to, like, it took like an hour driving around trying to find a parking spot. But we never see any, any of those things, but that's the real life that we live. And suffice to say, the disciples, they had their time too. Before they were found by Jesus, they had their ordinary time, time spent, daily work time, daily time, just like the, the rest of us. But we should be encouraged because the next point for us to think about is God will find us in our ordinary times. He's always looking for us. He's always seeking us. We think we're just doing our ordinary stuff, and he will find us. So I also want to look at a verse here that I put up um, in Mark 1.9. It says, one day, Jesus from Nazareth in Gal one day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. <coughs> wow. John the Baptist. You know why we call him John the Baptist? Because he was a baptizer, right? Take him in the water, out of the water, baptizing. John's just going about his work, called to be a baptizer. And all of a sudden, whoa, up, up comes Jesus. Right? Not planned. Not, didn't, he didn't call ahead. He didn't text and say, I'm on my way. Right? He, he, there he is. 
And he asks John, John, you should baptize me. I need you to baptize me. And John goes, no, you should baptize me. No, you should baptize me. You should baptize me. Jesus won out. Jesus won out because Jesus had a different plan for John. See, he was showing you and me, as he showed John the Baptist, that not only will he find us in our ordinary times, he will put us to work for him. He will use us for his purpose. He wants to utilize us for what he wants. And we just have to be open to accept that. Because as we're, always, as we're imagining today lots of things, Imagine what it would have been like if John would have said, hey, Jesus, nope, can't do it. I'm an ordinary guy going about my ordinary thing. And I'm just really not up to it. Why don't you come back tomorrow and I'll be ready? Imagine what John the Baptist, imagine what all of us would have missed out. Which brings me to a point to think about. In the ordinary, God wants to use us. He wants to use us for his purposes. And that means we don't have to be doing something extraordinary for him to put us to use. I I co-host this podcast called The Faith Driven Entrepreneur, and we spend a bunch of time talking to entrepreneurs about how God can use them in their work and their leadership, um, how, how they can be used as an example to others as leaders, and how they can be used in their pursuit to bringing glory to God. And, you know, when we try to tell them, and we have to remind all of ourselves that you don't have to be someone who writes a book, right, who has a bunch of degrees or a bunch of letters behind their name, or who holds some special office or some title, you know, or even somebody who gets a chance to come up and speak on a Sunday at church for God to use us. He will use us right in our ordinary time just like John the Baptist. In the even calendar years, um, I like to read the Bible all the way through. So it's an even year, it's 2020, so I'm into it. Um, And it happened that I was going along in my ordinary Bible reading time, and up pops a verse. They're related to this weekend and what was on my mind. We're going to read it together. It's in Acts. It's on the other side here of your handout. It says... The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men. That's right. With no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. That to me is amazing. That to me, you know, kind of says it all. Because here they were, the disciples. We know their journey. Right? We've seen them. We've seen where they've come from being ordinary in their work. Jesus has found them. Jesus has had a purpose for them. He's gone away. They follow through. They do something extraordinary. And yet everybody looks at them and says, they're, they're ordinary people. Which makes it very clear. I think it makes it very clear to all of us that God wants us to be and he honors when we stay ordinary even in the extraordinary. Even in the extraordinary. I mean, when you read through the Bible, it's a God thing. He takes ordinary people to do extraordinary things. You know why he does that? Because he wants to show everybody that it was God 
It's not man that can do that. It can only be God. Amazing. Which says that another thought for us is that we can choose to remain ordinary in the most extraordinary of times. It's a choice. It's a choice. Because here's the good news. There will be extraordinarily good things coming. We will have extraordinarily amazing, great, good times in our life. What are we going to do with that, though? We're going to create a new story on Instagram to show everybody how extraordinary our life is? Are we going to put on airs or begin to act above our means? Or does God want us to remain just who we are? Living and thriving in the ordinary with him. And those around us see us as sensitive, approachable, humble, happy, and content with where we are at the moment. I think that's what they saw in the disciples. But we're also going to have extraordinarily bad times. And then we got to figure out how we react there, too. So I'm going to tell you a story. I'm trying not to get emotional. But those of you who've heard me speak before, you know I cry a lot. The old McDonald's commercials. I used to cry at those all the time. Um, so it was uh, 11 months ago today that uh, Patty and I got one of those phone calls. And those of us you know, who live on the West Coast, who have friends and family on the East Coast or in the Midwest, there's a certain hour of the day when the phone rings that you know it's not good news. So we kept this call, Patty answered the phone, and her middle brother, who's a year younger than her, had been in a very serious ski accident. They weren't sure he was gonna live. He'd broken his back in multiple places. He had pretty much all of his ribs broken. He'd torn his aorta, ruptured his aorta, and, and uh, one of the broken ribs had actually clipped an artery and he was, he'd almost bled out, which led to paralysis and lots of bad things. What do you do? Well, you do what any of us would have done. You drop what you're doing, you start to make reservations, you get on a plane and you go. And for the next 10 days, we sat in a neuro ICU waiting to see if Bob was going to live or die. He lived by the grace of God. You know, a lot of prayers. Doesn't walk very well now. Still got a lot of problems 11 months later, but he lived. But at that moment, we have family there. Patty's the only daughter. She's the only one away from home. 89-year-old mother. We prayed about it. And what we heard God saying to us is, just pick up your ordinary life and go there. We're fortunate that what we do in our work and activities, you know, we can do it on a Zoom call. So we just picked up our ordinary life and we went to the East Coast. And we stayed till December 31st. To us, it was just our ordinary lives being put someplace else. But to my family, 
to Patty's family, it was extraordinary. I couldn't believe we did that. But, you know, we had to do that because that's what God was telling us to do. He said, just take your ordinary life, move it there. I'll make it all work out. And I think there's a lesson in there for us because as believers, as people who are following Jesus, who people need in, in moments of grief and sadness and pain and loss, and they need others around them to support them, you know what we can do? We can take our faith and we can be ordinary for them. We can give up of ourselves and we can sit with them. We can write them a note. We can do a telephone call. But what we don't want to do and God doesn't want us to do is to avoid being ordinary with others. He wants us to spend that time. Sometimes you know what you do? You don't even talk. You just sit there for hours at a time, but that person knows you're in the room. I think God wants us to be ordinary. I think he's telling us that in the, even in the extraordinarily bad times, that he wants us to remain ordinary through him and with him. I've, uh, since it's 2020, and you know, I'm trying to think about these decades left, which is kind of morbid, but actually you start to think about things when you've gone through what we went through last year. And it's a new decade. So I've been trying to think about, you know, 2020, which I've seen. I've seen it. And I'm going to be bold enough to say that I'm going to see 2030. There we go. I feel good enough about that. 2040, I think I'm going to make that. 2050? Mm, yeah, I think I'll do it. <laughs> I think I'll be all right. 2060? I may need a little help. 2070? Whoa. And there is no 2080. Now, those of you who work in biotech and you're working, keep working, okay? <laughs> Just keep that coming, because we'd love to see these, that 2080. I think that'd be kind of cool. But chances are, no, right? So I've started to narrow down my activities, letting go of some of the interest in the activities that I had, working hard at more of the ordinary time I'm given. Actually, it means learning a word that I'm not good at. The word no. That I've just having to start to say no. But that word to me has become less and less of a FOMO moment. Right? Because when you say no, you're like, oh, yeah, but what am I missing out on? You know, it's more about now thinking about this ordinary time that God has given me and what I have left to accept the beauty of this ordinary time. The grace, the calm, the peace, the completeness of living positively in my what once have felt too ordinary, but it doesn't feel that way anymore. Which brings me to my last thought. If you were here on Vision Sunday, how many of you were here on Vision Sunday? Here or over at Reardon? Reardon? Okay, you've seen these things? Pastor Terry's talked about these? The, who, who has them? Anybody got them on? Yeah, good for you. You know, Pastor Terry says he wears his on Sundays. I wear mine every day. Just saying. <laughs> but let me tell you why this is really cool. When you wear it every day, people ask you about it. They're like, you know, hey, you know, what's the bling? What are you doing here? You know, and I was like, hey, you know, it's so water reap. And they go, well, what's that mean? I said, well, it's my church, right? So water and reap. I said, you know that, you know, what you sow is what you reap. They go, oh yeah, I don't want to talk about it. 
So, you know, right there in the ordinary time, I've got, I've got a chance. We've got this chance. But I love this where we're going. I love the vision for the next decade of our church to sow, water, and reap. Because I think sowing is really cool. Right? It's planting those seeds, making sure that we're doing our thing. And, you know, it feels very um, motivational. Right? It feels very productive to plant seeds. So I like sowing. Reaping, that's pretty cool too. Right? The harvest, that feels like it's going to be rewarding. That's going to feel inspiring. You know, we're not going to know what the seeds are. This is really cool. I can't wait. Watering. Now, watering to me feels like work. Because, well, wait a minute. I told you I was a Sunday school teacher. Everybody needs an object lesson. Okay? This is what we do with the kids. They're childlike. We're supposed to be childlike in our faith, so just go with me on this. Um, so, watering. There are seeds in here. Nothing's growing. We don't know what those seeds are. Could be that there's a mustard seed in there that's going to grow up to be a huge tree. Seeds that we've sown, seeds that other people have sown for us that we don't even know. We have grandparents, we have parents, we have friends who've prayed for us. They've prayed things into our lives. If God answers prayer, those seeds can be reaped. But it's got to be watered. Right? It's got to be watered. And when do things need to be watered? They've got to be watered all the time. Water, 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 water. Sometimes we water a little more in the dry periods. Sometimes we water a little less in the wet periods. But we have to water. Now, I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Indiana. There's a big argument. If you're a farmer, do you water? When do you water? It's an argument. What, day of the, what time of the day is the best time to water? Some people water in the morning. Some people water in the afternoon before the sun goes down. Well, I'm going to make a suggestion to us. I'm going to go out on the limb and say that there is one part of our day that is the best time for us to water ourselves. And that's in the time of day that we want it to be the most ordinary of any time of the day. And we are happy when it's ordinary. And when is that? Morning, of course. We don't want anything extraordinary in the morning, right? That's the time we want everything to go just like we want it to go. As ordinary as it can be, no distractions, no problem with the car. The dog does what the dog is supposed to do exactly when the dog does it, right? Traffic is just like Waze said it was going to be. You get the point. Right? So in this very desired ordinary time is a great time to do our personal watering that we daily need. Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily needs. He did not say give us our annual needs. He was, I mean, there's a great book, Jesus is a CEO, but he did not say give us our quarterly needs. Right? He said, do this daily. He took us back to the daily watering. So let's consider that through our time in God's word and prayer that we ordinarily do, that we are watering, watering what God wants to do with us next. 
That's a cool thing. That's not work. That's a good thing. That's the kind of watering we all should do. Pastor Terry put up this slide two weeks ago, and I wanted to bring it back up. So remember this? He said, here's, here's a cadence. Here's a rhythm. It's da- it starts with what? Daily. Daily. Then it goes to weekly, and then it goes to seasonal, and then there's this life arc thing that we've got to think about. But right smack in the middle of all of that is ordinary time. It's just a lot of ordinary time in that. So we're going to close up in a second with a song that I heard while I was ordinarily listening to Spotify. And it's called Spend a Life. And I'm listening to it, and I'm like, wow, that's the song that we should have for the message that I'm going to talk about next month. That's pretty amazing. Spotify was spot on. I love this. So we're going to hear that song. I want you to listen to the words. We're going to actually have the words up there so you can just spend some time on that, and then we'll receive our offering. But I want to close up with, you know, and ask you some questions. Ask all of us these questions. Is God preparing us, you, right now, on this ordinary Sunday, in this ordinary time, what is it that he's preparing us for? We may not know what it is, but let's know that he is. It's going to be something. And we've also got to ask ourselves, and, we're, and, I know, and, and, and I want to say this because I know we're all at a different place in our faith journey. I mean, there, there may be someone's here that's like, wow, it's the first time at church and this is a lot to take in. And, you know, there's some that, you know, I've committed to be a follower of Jesus and I'm just learning. I'm just, I'm just starting to plant that seed. It's a little tiny seed. And I'm just starting to water it. And there's, some of us have been at this for a long time. We need to get back to watering. And then there are those that are just, you know, you're helping encourage all of us. So everybody's on a, a different faith journey, but we also have to ask ourselves, can we be okay in the ordinary time we've been given to allow God to find us? Either to find us for the first time or to find us again. Because he's looking and he's calling. And then when we are asked by God to be used by him, will we be open to answering what we hear he wants us to do? Will we do it? Will we follow through on his desires for us? And can we, when the extraordinary time comes, the good and the bad, just stay consistently ordinary for God with him right there with us? Because it all comes down really to this. Will we commit ourselves through this season to doing our necessary watering to what we're sowing, coming back daily to what God provides us in his word, through our times here in worship, through our prayer time, through our shape groups, through our service time, in fellowship with others to strengthen us, will we come back and allow ourselves to be watered every day? And can we find ourselves here, right now, in this moment, getting excited, getting enthused, knowing that God wants to bring to us something amazing out of the ordinary. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for the ordinary time you've given us, Lord. I mean, what a blessing that we can even be here today. So, Lord, we just ask you to let this message germinate like the seed. Just let it sit down inside of us. Every one of us will respond in our own unique and individual way. And Lord, we just ask you as we water ourselves this week, 
to reveal that to us. Show whether or not we are allowing ourselves to be found. Convict us, Lord, if we're not. Give us the courage to hear what you've got to say to us and, and, and allow us to go do it. And Lord, allow us also to remain ordinary with you. Lord, you've given us so much and you will give us good and, you, and we will have bad in our lives and we know we can depend upon you to come back to, to make this ordinary life that we have as purposeful and special as you want it to be. So Lord, take us safely home. Bring us back here again next week. In your name we pray and everybody said, Amen. Have a wonderful, ordinary Sunday. <laughs>